1: listeners of the Mad Scientist podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cogswell, joined as always by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. And this week, joined by special guest, uh, Michael Isakoff, investigative journalist, uh, host of podcast writer, um, just all around fascinating guy. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, great to be with you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We when I, I told Marie. Uh-
2: yeah, I thought he was punking me when he told me that. When he texted me and he says, we have him for this show, I was like, right, I'm sure we do.
0: Yeah, I, Marie. Yeah,
2: I'm still, I still have my doubts. And you do. I, it's Because here I, I am. And it's it's not a conspiracy. So, yeah, pretty. That I know
1: of. Well,
0: let's not jump to any conclusions <laughs> on that score.
2: True, true.
1: Right, that's that's the beauty of those conspiracy theories, right? They, they just never have an end. You just always say, well, what if?
0: You know, we we have to investigate each and every one.
1: Absolutely. So actually what we do
0: at Conspiracy Land.
1: Well that that I think is a great way to start off, really, is what so you know when a couple of years ago when you know my my mom or my my mother-in-law or my wife would see the kind of books I have on my bookshelf you know, they would always kind of laugh and say, well, why are you even interested in all of this stuff that is so out there, right? Like, why why do you care if people believe in um, in Ghost or in Bigfoot or in any of these other sorts of wide-ranging things? And the answer I always gave was that these are real people and they vote and they live. They're our neighbors. They are in the world around us. And so understanding why they are... Interested in these sort of non-scientific, or in some cases even seemingly irrational topics, is really I, I thought really important, and I don't think there's ever been a period in human history where that has become more apparent that that is important. But I, I guess I'm wondering what what got you interested in these topics in the first place, or what made you want to do a show like um, like Conspiracy Land. Well, I
0: have always been fascinated by conspiracy theories, um, not because I believe in them. You know, most of the ones that I've investigated and spent time as a journalist looking at uh, don't pan out, don't hold up under scrutiny. But I do think that they're a sort of fascinating window into our political culture, uh, mm-hmm. into how uh, various people on the political spectrum view their adversaries, how they view the world. And um, and it's clear that they get a great deal of traction on both sides of the political fence. You know, currently we associate conspiracy theories with uh, Trump world, with QAnon, with uh the right wing fringe. Um, but, you know, this cuts across political lines. We just did a, uh, a, a my other podcast is Skullduggery. And we just did a show because it was the uh, 58th anniversary of the um, of the Kennedy assassination uh, mm-hmm. just a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. And mm-hmm. people don't really remember, but it was the Kennedy assassination and the conspiracy theories about it that really introduced the phrase conspiracy theory into the political dialogue. Not that that was the first time conspiracy theory had popped up in 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 American politics. And they've been with us with us since the dawn of the republic, certainly in the 19th century, the No No Nothing Party, papal plots, uh, you know, into the 20th century, Father Coughlin, uh, you know, getting to Joe McCarthy. You know, conspiracy theories have been with us as a constant, but where they became a, um, you know, a force in our democratic dialogue. It was really the Kennedy assassination. And it starts, you know, after the Warren Commission releases its report in 1964. There was a study that showed that was like the first time the phrase conspiracy theory um, uh, started appearing in The New York Times, I think, five times in 1964. Hmm. And those conspiracy theories were largely from the left. That uh, the Warren Commission was a cover up for the CIA, the FBI. They were all involved in some way. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was a patsy as he you know, claimed to be when he was arrested, and he was really being used as part of some CIA operation that was anti-Castro, even though he was a Marxist uh, and uh, actually, had, you know, defected to the Soviet Union and was trying to re-defect in the last few weeks uh, or months of his life. Um, so, I, I think that's just important context and. You know, needless to say, the conspiracy theories about the Kennedy assassination got enormous traction among, by and large, people on the left, um, you know, right through to the Oliver Stone movie JFK, which glorified this nutball uh, uh, garrison, the prosecutor in, in New Orleans, who concocted a completely phony case to blame the Kennedy assassination on the CIA. So. That was, um, you know, that was kind of my introduction because this is when I grew up. This is when I became politically conscious. And I was, you know, among the many who obsessed about the Kennedy assassination. Uh, I, you know, remember going down to Dallas and, you know, trolling on the going to the Texas School Book Depository and spending time on the grassy knoll. Uh, And uh, so and then, you know, look. You know, this comes to, you know, within a, a few years of the, the, the Kennedy assassination and, and all the talk about it. There is, you know, the Vietnam War. There's Watergate. Uh, there's uh, in the 70s, the Church Committee, which seemed to validate the, the ideas that there was all sorts of um, uh, nefarious activities that our intelligence and law enforcement uh Uh, uh, services were engaged in, uh, which really gave a lot of legs to conspiracy theories. And again, that was largely on the left, not exclusively because, you know, As I said before, you know, I mentioned Joe McCarthy. Certainly, uh, uh, I should mention the John Birch Society on the right. Right. You know, uh, Robert Welch, the candy manufacturer who started it, talked about how Dwight Eisenhower was a conscious agent of the communist conspiracy. Right. So there was plenty of uh, kookiness on uh, uh, on on both sides. But I think it is interesting that in more. You know, in more recent years, it is uh, the right that seems to have adopted uh, or elements of the right that have adopted uh, conspiracy theories as uh, sort of central to their worldview.
1: Well, I think what's uh, at least from, you know, one thing we touch on in the show really quite often, It, it I, you know, I almost feel like a broken record sometimes when we point this out on episodes, but, you know, Looking back at sort of conspiracy theory, and I think more broadly even um pseudoscience or sort of uh disbelief in expertise or disbelief in um you know experts coming out and giving information to the public, um, like you said, I think if we if we kind of were to list the most prominent, at least in people's minds, conspiracy theories over the last say hundred years, um it does appear that there are there tend to be more on the the left side let's say of the political spectrum pre kind of trumpism but actually part of me wonders if that isn't due to the the more conspiratorial aspects of the right wing almost kind of nestling snugly into um religious systems so you know I, i'm looking right now at my bookshelf at a copy of michelle remembers Right, um, one of the kind of a foundational book on the Satanic Panic, which um, I think really led directly into QAnon. You know, it's the same kind of conspiracies; they're the same kind of ideas. Um, just you know, remove Satanists for um, deep state, you know, actors. Right. It's but it's the same general ideas. Um, I yeah, wonder. we well, always if-
2: have the same tropes. Right. Sorry, this, yeah, this, no, yeah. the
1: stories never change. Just kind of the window dressing does. Right. But so I wonder, actually, if in the modern sometimes I wonder, I guess, if it isn't sort of a push and pull where in periods where there are um, more conservatives control generally, um, that conspiracy theories on the left then will emerge and vice versa.
2: Well, yeah, I. I am curious as to what sort of galvanizes that um, conspiracy theories or the belief in the conspiracy theories, right? Like you right. pointed out. So
0: look, uh, a couple things, you know, come to mind, you know, one is that um, when you have uh, segments of the, electorate of society that are disaffected that are distrustful of authority i uh, that don't believe what um the experts say don't believe the media and what the media says because the media is always plays a role on in conspiracy theories left or right they're either you know uh, for the left it's corporate media covering up uh, uh, you know, wrongdoing by the establishment. If it's the right, it's, you know, the liberal biased media that is covering up uh, news that um, is awkward for, you know, the Democratic Party establishment. Um, I, I think you get that on both sides. But so that's a constant. And, you know, there are always sort of grains of truth Um, In some of these critiques, I mean, look, I mentioned the church committee before Mm -hmm. that really did reveal um, uh, some pretty scary tactics that were being used during the height of the Cold War yeah. uh, by the CIA and the FBI. COINTELPRO, uh, the sort of, uh, you know, secret operation authorized by J. Edgar Hoover to discredit civil rights leaders like Martin Luther King. Um, on the CIA's part, Dr. Sidney Gottlieb, the mad scientist who was experimenting by injecting, uh, you know, LSD in unwitting yeah. uh, Participants. Uh, the
2: MK Ultra, yeah. Oh, and elimination by illumination. The plot um, on Castro.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, assassinations. Yeah. Uh, you know, attempted assassinations. Not just a Castro, but of by Lumumba mm-hmm. in, in in Congo, and um, uh, you know, there there were others. I uh, that. You know, and, and not to mention the sort of coups that the United States government mm-hmm. um, inspired in Iran and Guatemala engineered, really. Um, so all that, you know, if you're on the left, you have good reason to distrust what the FBI, what the CIA has to say, uh, what the national security establishment has to say. And just moving forward, it's not just height of the Cold War, Um You know, I did a book a number of years ago with uh, my co-author, David Korn, hubris about the run up to the Iraq war and all the untruths that were um, uh, stated, not just from the Bush White House, but from the CIA and the intelligence community about what was known about. Uh, Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass destruction and uh, ties to Al Qaeda. Much of the case, if not almost, you know, mm-hmm. the, the guts of the case were completely inflated and in many cases just completely false. Right. Um, so there 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 was good reason to be distrustful of much of what the national security establishment um, has had to say uh, over the years. And on the right, you know, plenty of first of all, plenty of uh, uh, um, uh, evidence, I think, that they could rightfully point to at uh, 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 bias by the media that uh, uh, it tended to be much tougher on uh, Republican wrongdoing than Democratic wrongdoing. Not exclusively, of course, but, you know, that one can understand Um, uh, how people on the right may have um, viewed. I certainly do may have viewed some of the coverage. And I think this reached its peak um, uh, under Donald Trump's presidency, where you have this bifurcated media Um, You know, Fox News acting as, you know, the propaganda arm of the Trump White House for much of the time. But but CNN becoming the anti-Fox and and MSNBC already had become the anti-Fox. Right. So Mm -hmm. their coverage of the Trump presidency was just as one sided uh, as Fox News's was on the other side. Now, I happen to think, you know, Trump (laughs) did a lot of really awful things as president and violated sort of fundamental norms of our democracy. And he's continuing Daily. to do it yes. as we speak, yes. um, you know, but that said, you know, a big chunk of the country uh, voted for this guy twice now, more than mm-hmm. 70 million Americans just last month. And um, when you, you know, sort of lose sort of, you know, standard forms of journalistic um, professionalism and become much more loose about being opinionated, um, uh, then, uh, you know, people who don't share your opinions um, will rightfully conclude that you're biased and you're not, um, a, a, you know, a, a fair umpire calling balls and strikes. You've, you've, got, a, you've got skin in the game. Um, so I understand that now what's made it a lot worse and why we're in this golden age of conspiracy theories now, uh, is, um, because of social media and, yep. you know, we had the breakups of the big media networks that have broken up, but they've you know lost their power because we have so many other sources of news, but you add on top of that social media, Twitter, Facebook, uh, in which everybody, you know, creates their own silo uh, in which they only see news that reinforces their prejudices, and they only read that which strokes their, you know, paranoia. Um, and uh, and and conspiracy theories become a lot battier, crazier, and you know, QAnon being the primary example.
2: Yeah. That's what I was going to ask, because it seems like you have both sides having sort of this conspiratorial mindset for certain things, but then it takes almost a galvanizing moment to really have something take off, right? Because there's a lot of conspiracy theories that gain traction for a short amount of time and and then just peter away and don't really, you know, you don't hear about them in that iteration too often again. But all of a sudden... 2016 election Facebook uh, everything that's going on with uh, with with Twitter and then this sort of advent of this new uh, well uh, at least a more prevalent uh, group of conspiratorial thinkers come out of seemingly the woodwork although they've been they've been probably in gestation for a pretty long period of time do you think is, is QAnon something that's that is new or is it just a, a reinterpretation of something that had been going on?
0: Well, I mean, it clearly has roots in, you know, various um, uh, conspiracy theories that predate QAnon per se, um, child sex trafficking. Uh, yeah. You know, I look, uh, uh, we all remember Pizzagate from uh, the 2016 election that, you know, that really hits home for me because Comet Pizza is, uh, you know, about uh, five to 10 minutes from my house. Uh, We would go there all the time Uh, on Sunday afternoons. My son's little league team would, you know, congregate at Comet Pizza uh, after its games. And, you know, luckily we did not have uh, again, that Sunday that the the guy from North Carolina drove up with the oh, assault man. rifle looking for the basement where children were supposedly <laughs> being uh, uh, sexually abused uh, and ended up, you know, firing uh, a couple of shots. Um, but um,
2: that's so crazy. And just like the vilification of a physical location like pizza like you're, you're like you're, you're yeah, taking and real your people there work
0: to, there yeah. and you know yeah. uh um you know but anyway but that that kind of you know predated QAnon, but it very much merged into the sort of QAnon worldview right mm-hmm. which is you know that there are a bunch of democratic child sex traffickers and pedophiles who are you know um uh, running the country and uh, you know you inside the deep state. And um, anyway, uh, look, I mean, QAnon is really batty stuff. I mean, it's it's it's, you know, crazy, really. Um, Mm -hmm. But because of social media, uh, it can get the kind of traction it's getting. And then let's not forget, you know, when once it reaches a certain point, then it gets encouragement from people like. El Presidente, Donald Trump, mm-hmm. who refused to um, disassociate himself from QAnon.
2: Do you think Do you think that that is because he actually believes in it to a certain extent, or that he can see sort of the financial gain?
0: I mean, look, he's the yeah. curator in chief, and he believes right. all sorts of crazy conspiracy theories, and he always has. Remember, you know, he, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, he, oh, yeah. he first got prominence as a potential presidential candidate by spouting the birtherism nonsense. Right. Yes. And, uh, and 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 gave that credence. And even when he was running for president in 19 in, in 2016, you know, he, I, I remember right after the, he got the nomination uh, at the Republican convention in cleveland the very first thing he did the next day after he gave his acceptance speech was he went on a rant about ted cruz's father and the kennedy yes. assassination right yes. i mean yeah. yes. so this is the way the guy thinks right and you know does he really believe it who knows what he really believes but um he says that which you know makes him feel better and strokes right. his own ego and you know that's come into full flower now with his claim that he won the uh, uh this year's election in a landslide when in fact he lost quite decisively
1: i wonder going off that same sort of line of thinking though i do wonder what effect that bad faith sort of political theater has had on the growth of these conspiracies. We see this a lot with, uh, less, let's say impactful or less down to earth, I suppose, conspiracies, not that QAnon is in any way down to earth, but let's take, for example, the the conspiracy theory of, you know, widespread election fraud and voter fraud that, you know, you can turn on even, say, CNN or MSNBC, less less MSNBC, but you can turn on CNN and watch as kind of mouthpieces for the Republican Party and the president and mouthpieces for, you know, the opposition and the Democrats make arguments that, you know, as you're watching, you're thinking to yourself, there's no way. I know these people don't believe this. Right. There's just simply no way that they actually will.
0: Well, this. look at can can I just like you know, we did I have this conspiracy land podcast. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, the first year last year we did Seth Rich, uh, which is really interesting because yes. I don't yeah. know if you noticed, but just uh, you know, the parents had sued Fox News, which yeah. mm-hmm. promoted uh, the conspiracy theory about Seth Rich having been the real source of the DNC emails to mm-hmm. uh, to WikiLeaks. And, um, you know, the horrific toll that took on the parents, yeah. the family, the friends of Seth Rich. Uh, and they just want a, um, uh, a, a settlement from Fox News. The terms are undisclosed, but I reported that there was a seven figure payout from Fox. To uh, the parents of Seth Good. Rich for what they for Good. promoting that bogus story that really has quite a sort of yeah. fascinating pedigree uh, from, you know, Russian disinformation, uh, Russian trolls to, you know, American alt right figures to Roger Stone, to Steve Bannon, you know, uh, and ultimately to um, to Fox News. But the one we did this year um was uh, uh, Trump's uh, crazed Twitter rant about Joe Scarborough having murdered (laughs) a congressional staffer of his 19 years ago. Right. Uh, And we dug into that story. It's a three-part podcast. It's really quite fascinating. And it was all garbage. I mean, it was all garbage that actually began on the left because at the time, Scarborough was a republican congressman and uh this grew up out of the um uh you know it was this it's it began in the same summer as the uh, chandra uh, chandra levy uh gary condit uh, uh fuhrer in um, in in washington gary condit having been a Democratic congressman who was um, having an affair with an intern, Chandra Levy, who then is found dead in Rock Creek Park, uh, you know, and the conspiracy theories there were that Condit was uh, somehow responsible for uh, her death. He wasn't. He was having an affair, but right. he wasn't responsible for her death. But because of the all the media furor that got, you um, uh, people on the left started to go after Scarborough, saying, "Well, what about the dead stat- young woman who worked on his staff in Florida? Mm-hmm. Um, why isn't the media covering that?" And that got uh, you know the Daily Kouse guy. He's we do an interview with him in conspiracy land. He yeah. was promoting that, right? Yes, uh, so you know, Marcos uh, Um yeah. And then, of course, it gets adopted. uh, uh, It migrates its way to the political right. It gets adopted by Trump, who goes on these rants about, you know, uh, Scarborough was having an affair with this woman and the case needs to be, you know, cold case reopen. You know, uh, there were like 10 or 11 tweets that Trump did just this year in May uh, after uh, about Scarborough. And why isn't Scarborough being investigated for the death of this woman? Uh, And then, of course, it gets picked up by QAnon and the QAnon crazies, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, jump on it and and embellish it. And, you know, before by by the end of the day, uh, this this poor woman, Lori Klausutis, who did pass away in a horrible freak medical uh, Mm -hmm. accident. That uh, happened to her while she was working for Scarborough, um, was somehow uh, you know reviewing uh, you know had access to documents about CIA death squads and you know all sorts of um, nefarious activities. Before you knew it, it was like you know nine eleven and was right. A-
2: yeah, her out there in the, her remote location. You know, was she? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I mean, it was
0: all crazy. Anyway, we did a three part. Uh, series on this, just dissecting it and ending with, you know, what we call the Twitter dodge, because Twitter allowed this crap to right. you know go up on its platform and would not mm-hmm. stop, wouldn't take down Trump's tweets, uh, uh, even though there was nothing to them. Now, obviously, they've gotten a lot better, you know, more recently. Um, but you know, this was only, this was 2020, this was this year,
1: but but, so, but that's what I wonder though, is sorry, sorry, but that's kind of what I guess what I'm, what I'm wondering is, so we talk about, you know, Twitter is getting better at this and, and everything else, but it seems to me like the ability to call like you said, crap, crap, right? To be able to say, like, this is ridiculous. There's Mm -hmm. no way this is true. That goes out the window when you have people in, you know, on these news shows, uh, in interviews and everything else, making cases that they would never make in good faith, right? Like Mm -hmm. the, you know, the... Like almost just playing devil's advocate or just doing this political theater to say, OK, yeah, you know, Trump lost this election, but still you have like Rick Santorum or people on CNN arguing Trump's points. And it's like you you don't believe this. I know you don't. So that seems to me to be a, a significant problem. This this sort of uh, it's not that facts, you know, people seem to think today or it appears to me at least that facts are political capital. And so it doesn't really matter if something is true or not or abhorrent or not. What matters is that it can be used to score political points. Um, That seems like something that is bigger than Twitter.
0: Scarborough instance, it was very simple. I mean, you know, Scarborough had become a critic of Trump.
1: Right. Right. Once, and he happened, and yeah. were
0: once you know kind of friendly with trump they had him on the show they even went down and saw him at uh, mar-a-lago uh mm-hmm. just before the inauguration in 2017 they were there new year's eve they were trying to score an interview with him with the, with the then president-elect uh but you know they turned on him because of his behavior as president mm-hmm. and uh and and trump you know uh, viewed it as some sort of betrayal. So he just starts throwing mud, you know, uh, at Scarborough, regardless of whether it was true or not.
2: So do you think, I mean, and this was something that actually came up in your last Skullduggery episode with um, ex-Congressman Riggle. I'm trying to remember his last name. Yeah. Denver Riggleman. Yes. Oh, yeah. So he brought up like, what is the responsibility of media platforms, social media platforms like Twitter? To regulate or to become better stewards of of what's happening, what's happening on their platform. Because when asked that question, I think the thing that did kind of shock me was that he was like, absolutely not First Amendment right. Well, look, it is is Is
0: tricky. It's tricky. I, I mean, drawing lines is what's tricky. Look, we can all agree that QAnon crap is crap. And, you know, yes. I'm running a social media platform. I don't want it on.
3: Um. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. But,
0: you know, I I notice what Twitter does now on the election stuff, which is... By and large, crap. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, but sure. what they do is say, you know, this, you know, th- this account is disputed, right? Mm. Well, everything mm. in politics is disputed, <laughs> right? What's your standard? How are you deciding when right. you, you know, you put that up there uh, on somebody's tweets? Because, you know, one could take you know, all sorts of comments every day by members of Congress on both sides of the aisle. And just as, you know, Uh depending on how passionate you are about the particular issue we're talking about, you know, you will you can say, well, at a minimum, that's disputed. Right.
2: Right. Or offensive, like offense is one thing and hate speech is sort of another.
0: Yeah. When you go after a person with personal attacks or demeaning personal attacks. You know, I, I think that's I mean, it's, it's, I think it's easier to draw the line there, although there could be, you know, gray areas. But when you get into political debates, I'm I'm just not the language that Twitter uses. This account of the election is disputed uh-huh. just seems to me to be either too lame Hedge. Or too much. I mean, I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, saying something is disputed is sort of, it's the same problem. We often hear this from people like we do, you know, when, when we do episodes on things like, say, climate change, and then we'll get comments from people in the audience asking, well, why didn't you have someone who denies climate change on? The argument I always give is they're not arguing in good faith. They, they don't have any, you mm-hmm. know, there's, there's nothing for them to give me. Right, that that would be worth even you hearing.
0: Yeah, there's there's, you know, that is an issue at times. You know, right. but on the other hand, um, I am sort of you know, I, I do resist um conformity and just yeah, being, being dictated to about what i should believe or not believe i want to be able to explore the evidence myself and reach my own conclusions about issues of of debate and on climate change look I, you know I, I don't think there's any serious debate about the existence of climate change that our climate has been changing it does strike me that there's legitimate that, that there's no question that human you know carbon emissions have contributed to that and may in fact be the primary driver of it. But there is debate about the, you know to what extent and are we yeah. two or three years away from apocalypse or are we ten or 20 years and and that makes a difference when you're trying to come up with policies that might impact people's lives right you know or uh, so anyway i i i don't like while i certainly believe in climate change i certainly believe man-made it's it's primarily man-made i i don't like shutting down debates about this by just sort of Calling people denialists and refusing to hear what they have to say. There may, in fact, be some people who are trying to argue in good faith about aspects of this.
1: Oh, the, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, don't get me wrong, right? There, there absolutely are. I mean, that's one thing that we try really hard to do, and we're kind of, a, we're kind of one of the uh, the reason the show was even created in the first place was because there wasn't. We felt enough content like this where you take seriously the arguments of people who believe in uh, conspiracies or things that are out there on the fringe and then kind of pick them apart and see, does this actually make sense? Like, is it logically Mm -hmm. consistent on its own? And then what effect does it have to the world around everything else? But I think that's part of the challenge, at least, is people don't really seem to be trained to do that kind of hard thinking. And at the same well, not time not as well, for, it's not, it's terrible. You know, yeah, you I mean,
2: it's confirmation yeah. bias. You want things, <laughs> but you want things that reinforce your own worldview. That's sort of how I think how people are preset, right? Like you, I want something that's going to validate and make me feel good about my own decisions. That's why I want a conspiracy theory, right? Cause then all of a sudden, not only is it explained sort of for me and it fits my worldview, but I'm in the know and I'm, I'm, I have sort of, I've gained some power from it or some autonomy oh, yeah. or some agency. Right. Right. But we do it, so we, going against that mm-hmm. is, is, I think, is not necessarily where people, like how people are wired to do, which kind of like leads me to like the question of so you, you've got something like QAnon, you have them now actually even being elected to office. In certain states, which is amazing. So there's there there's traction to it. How do you begin to, or does 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 QAnon now just sort of hope maybe lose some steam now that Trump is coming out of office, or how do you begin to diffuse that? Uh, you
0: know, uh, they they could gain steam. Well, <laughs> mm-hmm. the- oh, yeah. Yeah. Biden in office, and you know all these yeah. uh, you know deep state conspirators, uh, you know, returning <gasps> but, to uh, high level positions in the government.
2: That's the thing I don't get about QAnon is that, like, again, it, it, conspiracy theories are sort of thought of as like again the, the disenfranchised. Like, I am looking at and and making assumptions about people in power, and really QAnon was about and even sponsored by Donald Trump, inadvertently or inadvertently, and he was in power. They were. It was about, like, the the power structure he was in. So that's where I'm sort of like, that's even a weirder twist on it.
1: Well, but that's the thing, though. It's built on this sort of long—I think in the United States especially, we've had this very uncomfortable feeling about our— about our military, about industry, about kind of the military-industrial complex, quote unquote. And I think honestly, QAnon, you know, a lot of people when they mention the roots of QAnon, I actually think one area they miss is the history of um, the history of, of UFO conspiracy theories. Actually, right? QAnon fits very nicely and snugly in with the idea that there is a cabal of ascended uh, government officials who have alien technology, right? Like that, that idea has been percolating since the 1980s and gained steam in the nineties with coverage of people like Bob Lazar and these other sort of figures that came out and said, you know, we have secret spaceships in Area 51 and whatever. And then QAnon comes out and the public has already sort of been primed to believe that although there is the civilian government there might be a secret government with the real answers right keeping okay, a secret, secret alien government exactly right it's it's not a far leap and so you know in my mind it's why it's so important <laughs> to nip the arguments in the bud before they happen like i i'll never forget i was
2: i then although not remembering their free speech
1: well, okay. So, although I disagree, I I disagree drastically with Alex Jones, right? Like we make fun of him <laughs> mercilessly. So. We make fun of him mercilessly, oh, God. right? Uh, uh, Michael, this is the part of the show where we start talking about the real truth about the reptiles. Um, but <laughs> don't, so, don't. I, you know, I don't disagree. Him. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I disagree with with Alex Jones and almost you know everything, every single thing about him, right? But I listen to him, or I used to listen to him, especially every day before we started the show because I want wanted to know what it, you know what was out there what were these ideas out there and i'll never forget i was i was walking and um the beginning of the show he goes we got a special guest today we're going to be interviewing donald trump <laughs> and I, like my brain exploded
2: <laughs> you know like
1: are you kidding me yeah. and now he's the president like it, it yeah. it's so what? it's so important to take these things seriously before they get Steam, because once they have steam, it seems like it's an impossible task to stop them.
2: But I'm sorry, we actually cut you off, Michael. Please, I mean, we were talking about Q- um, that. Q- no, no maybe not I mean, just listen. Get more. I,
0: I'm more you know, the Alex Jones thing is, you know, that's really sad. And you're right, Trump yeah. went on on his show, and you know, he's such a <sighs> despicable character. <in> what he <laughs> yes. did, and, um, but know, like his Sandy so Hook families yeah. uh-huh. and all that is just. <clears throat> You know, absolutely. Really well, shameful. But, like- um, but look, I mean, you know, Trump went on. I mean, Roger Stone was a regular on, yes. on InfoWars, right? Yeah. And and you know, he was like, right. you know, Trump's longtime political advisor. So, you know, you have a a this conspiratorial mindset that um, was quite prevalent in Trump world. Um but, you know, back to your question about what happens after Trump leaves office, uh, I would think that it, this is, you know, this isn't going to go away, mm-hmm. that whether it's the QAnon people per se or people who think like that um, are going to be more entrenched, angrier because we're going to have a democratic Administration and power in Washington, and they'll have more things to um, be resentful and complain about and view through a conspiratorial lens.
2: Mm-hmm. So, one of my questions that you know that I wanted to pose to you is: Do you think, as an investigative journalist, do you think you'll ever find out who Q was? <laughs> and. Does it matter? Does it, does it, if you find out, disclose and put out, that's the next, that's in the next conspiracy land, that's season three?
0: Does it matter? Does it matter? I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, who's this guy, Hawkins or Dawkins or?
1: Doc? yeah, the, the head of, or the owner of 8chan, mm-hmm. right? Is that right? Or 8 mm-hmm. Coon or one of those sites? One yeah. of the chans, yeah. You
0: may be more up to speed on this than I am, but I mean, do we think that guy is Q or? uh
1: I really I just really hope that at the end of all of this the the you know QAnon posts on 4chan a screenshot and it's just a picture of Ivanka Trump smiling at her phone. You know what I mean? Like I just I it would be No, I mean no, I I don't know if I the thing, well, the the frustrating thing is that, especially if you kind of go back into the history of these message mm-hmm. boards and the stories that percolate, you know, the stories that exist on them, there have been people that supposedly came out and said these sorts of things for years. This is just the first one that came, you know, that really got any kind of traction. I think the next closest one to the Q character is probably that crazy guy who claimed he was from the future, Um what was his name? He like oh, God, posted a yeah. picture of him with a like a MacBook and he was like, this is my spaceship, you know, like it was crazy. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, do I Silver. think that he is the person? I think that the most sensible argument I've ever seen for what QAnon is and Marie, maybe, maybe you have another opinion on this than I do. Mm-hmm. But the most mm-hmm. interesting one I've ever seen was it is, it, it's basically just a prank that has, taken up legs and, and really gotten steam in a way that the, th- it doesn't matter anymore who was controlling it in the beginning, because now it's clearly being used to spread yeah. um, mess. You know, it's, it's really a viral message, right? It's like yeah. those, it's like those Facebook pages that, you know, initially they're a Facebook page about bird watching or whatever. And then they get a million people in the group and then they get sold to some, you know, some company that's hawking fake sunglasses right it's it seems to me to be the same kind of thing
2: yeah I mean I don't know I think you know that part of me wants to find out who it like somebody's making an awful lot of money off of it so I think that that you know following the money following the money yeah, on it would be, be good.
0: somebody is making money on this.
2: somebody's making a lot and it's going to to your point, continue to make a lot. So who's, who's benefiting from that and finding out that, but then, you know, the other part of me is like, well, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. Like if you found out and you, and you, it is, it's, it's season three and it's a hundred percent accurate. I don't think it's going to affect the following one iota. Like, I think that's almost irrelevant that if Q is a real person or is a fake person, it's all it's, to, to Chris's point, it's already a virus, right? It's already too late. In fact, if anything, it's just going to reinforce the fact of, uh, you know, of of the myth even more. they oh. also
0: just watch these, uh, these uh, freshman members of Congress. That ma- mm-hmm. uh, what's her name? Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia, who yes. you know, seems to be uh, uh, QAnon friendly. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah. to have somebody like that Sort of making speeches and, and on the floor of the house and sitting in a committee meetings and asking <laughs> wackadoodle questions uh, uh you know uh, i think that could only give prominence to it you know but back to the historical roots of it you know she represents the same district as a uh, uh a, a congressman by the name of larry mcdonald in the 1970s and 80s larry mcdonald was the chairman of the john birch society he oh. succeeded the robert welch the candy manufacturer who accused eisenhower of being a communist and he was a total uh conspiracy theorist uh, he you know we did we did a episode of skullduggery on him uh and conspiracy land actually about a month or so ago Um, And, uh, you know, rabid anti-communist, but more than that, you know, the deep state, there was uh, uh, he saw um, conspiracies left and right. And ultimately he um, is he dies. Remember when the Soviets shot down that uh, Korean airliner um, uh, in the 1980s, he was on it. And of course, his followers saw that. So I you the go. there that the Soviets uh-huh. were going after the number one anti-communist in the uh, in the country, Larry McDonald.
2: See, everything, everything's connected, right? And everything is
0: connected. And his, you know, <laughs> heir is, Mary, you know, Marjorie Taylor Green, the QAnon congressman from the same part of Georgia.
2: I wonder well, if sort of fitting. That's sort of nice. actually. It's, uh, not it's sort not of a reassuring nice. in a weird way. It's sort of reassuring. It's like, oh, OK. There's been precedent for kook in that sort well, of— Well,
1: I, I do wonder, though, because this is something actually it's—we on this show, I mean, we were telling you before that, you know, we, we try to engage with communities that believe in sort of, you know, non-traditional topics, I guess you'd say. And one question that often gets brought up to us when we do talks on this is, you know, do you think that— um you know, if we, if we find Bigfoot, right. Or if we find an Mm -hmm. alien or if we find the Loch Ness monster or any of these other things, do you think it would really change the conspiracy theory or the um, sort of some of these groups mindsets? Right. So I I wonder if QAnon is sort of hitting the same problem um, and in, in a less serious way, I guess it's the same problem that a lot of, you know, still traumatized by game of Thrones, for example, um, You know, it's the same problem, right? How do you land the ship? You have this thing going for so long, and now you need to kind of close it off in a way that is uh, sensible to people. And, you know, I think it doesn't matter if QAnon came out and said they were part of the government or um, it came out and it was just this guy who owns this, you know, crazy message board uh, making stuff up, there would still be because the conspiracy theory never changes it just changes the window dressing. It just changes forms. You know, that argument, that that group of people who believe it, they would just change their views to meet the needs of the moment, right? It doesn't matter what QAnon is. The idea of QAnon, the kind of driving force still remains. So the yeah, truth of well, it doesn't uh, matter uh,
0: anymore. And in some ways, you know, what we've done to combat it um, could— end up exacerbating the exactly problem. because yep. uh, uh, you know as Twitter and Facebook um, and Instagram kick these folks off you know they migrate to even further fringe mm-hmm. um, platforms parlor bit shoot what have you uh, and uh, and you and I don't even look at those so mm-hmm. we don't even know we won't even know what they're talking about right? At least on twitter you would see it because you know we're all on twitter we're all on facebook you know but when when you you migrate to these completely fringe you know platforms um most people aren't going to be looking and yet they'll still be talking to themselves now will it be called QAnon? will it be the exact same you know um uh, fr- you know framework I, who knows but certainly the the mindset isn't going to go away.
1: Right. Mm. Well, you know, it's been it's been 50 fascinating minutes so far.
2: Yeah. Um, I, Wait, I really, I, wanna I, more. You,
1: I want to give you go okay, ahead, oh, Marie. Oh. No, go, go,
2: Marie. Can you tell us <laughs> can you tell us anything about season three? <laughs> <laughs> for um, I any clues, any hints? I
0: would, but then I'd have to kill you. Oh. You know, I mean, like, oh. I, 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 there's there's one that's been in the works for some time. It's been um, uh, delayed for a bit, uh, COVID-related, um, but um, uh, stay tuned is all I can tell all you. All right. Okay. Sounds okay. good.
1: All right. Well, uh, Michael Isikoff, thank you again so, so much. It was really such a pleasure. Uh, We would love to have you on again anytime, um, anytime you need. I don't know. Weird info from Chris and Marie. Please do reach <laughs> out. <laughs> we are more than happy to help. And um, listeners, uh, thank you again so much for listening to the Mad Scientist podcast. We will be back next week with another episode. Um, please go listen to the Skullduggery podcast. Go listen to Conspiracy Land. Um, follow Michael Isakoff on Twitter and um, and follow the reporting. It's been some fascinating stuff. Uh, if you love the topics that we cover on the show, you really are going to want to follow uh, Michael's work. So thank you again so much That's sure, nice.
0: anytime. It was fun, fun, right. fun conversation.
1: Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist Podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at the Mad Scientist at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at Mad Scientist Pod or at Team Giant Squid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm -hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. We love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen, our... Web design is done by Desdemona Howard. And our sound design is done by Jake
2: Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) Thank you. This has been a damn it chippy production.
3: Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates.